Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. So last week I made this joke during the sermon about how one of my fears is that I forget to turn my microphone off and I'll go back and sit down after the sermon and then my microphone will be on and I'll be singing and it'll come through the speakers. And I made that joke in the sermon and then it actually happened right after the sermon. And I was like, I cannot believe that that happened. And I, I have, I mean, my voice is worse than I thought. And, and so I was, I was standing up here and I just forgot. And a couple people picked up on, on, on the room, but everyone on the live stream who was home watching on the live stream picked up. So my, flo- my phone is like blowing up during the last song. Everyone's going, your mic's on, your mic's on. Greg texted me, he's like, your mic's on. So it was, it was so funny because some people were like, oh, you did that as an illustration to show that, you know, everyone's voice matters when worshiping the Lord. I'm like, that's right, I did it on purpose. I did not do it on purpose. But you know what? We're the church together, we're family. That's not the last mistake I'll make here. And that's not the last time I'll do something embarrassing. So it is what it is. Oh, we're jumping into healing to wholeness today. Our last, uh, our last in this four-part series, we went, uh, we started the year looking at looking back. We just looked at the themes that we had looked at in 2021 and reviewed those. And then we've been going through praying the word and last week blending to belong. And then this week, healing to wholeness. So let me pray for us. And then I'm going to read a couple scriptures for you before we jump in. Lord, we do thank you. We do thank you that you are a God that heals and you are a God that comforts. We thank you that you look at the brokenness that we experience in this world and you are not intimidated. Uh, The battle belongs to you. Jesus, you have defeated sin and death and the devil and one day you will come again and you will restore all things to yourself. And so we pray that we would have that hope in us this morning as we look into your word and all God's people said. Amen. Today we're going to look at two different passages. We're going to look, first of all, at Genesis 3, right after Adam and Eve sin and rebel against God and are hiding from God in the garden. And then we're going to look at Paul's prayer from Ephesians 3, which was the prayer that we said just a few minutes ago as the congregational prayer. So the context for what I'm about to read in Genesis 3 is, is right after Adam and Eve fall into sin and rebel against God. Genesis 3, verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he, God, asked, who told you that you were naked? Genesis 3. Now we flip over to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of God. I want to tell you a story about one time I broke something, about breaking something as a kid. I broke a lot of things as a kid. I broke a neighbor's window when I hit a baseball bat into it. I didn't get in trouble uh, for that. But I broke something else that you might not think is breakable, but I did break it. I broke a pumpkin pie. I was probably about five years old, and my mom had baked a fresh pumpkin pie and had left it on the kitchen counter. And this memory is just so vivid in my mind. I can see the pumpkin pie there. And my mom said, I'm going to take a nap, John. While I'm taking a nap, do not touch the pumpkin pie. And I said, okay. And as soon as I heard her go into a room and shut the door, I took two fingers and went into the pumpkin pie and just ate it. Now, I had not thought about the repercussions of that, and I saw the sudden I looked down at this pie, and it is obvious that it is now broke. (laughs) Uh, There is two finger holes in the pie. And so I began to strategize about what I should do. Maybe I could take a paper towel and just sort of cover over that part of the pie. Maybe that would work. But then, you know, as a five-year-old, you're just kind of playing it through. You're like, no, eventually at some point, she's going to take the paper towel off and see that the pie is broken. Uh, So maybe when she does that, I'll just act surprised. Like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I did see a pack of dogs go through the kitchen, Mom, and I don't know, uh, I don't know what happened. Um, no, that's not going to work. So I kept thinking, and what I landed on was I, I got a knife out of the kitchen drawer, and I began to smooth the pie down so that the, the extra pie would fill into that hole, into that broken Whole and I and I thought that would work and then I kind of stepped back and I looked at the pie and it just looked even worse. <laughs> it was obvious now that not just that section of the pie but the whole pie was ruined. And I thought to myself, why did I do that? This may not work out for me. <laughs> and I went and I woke my mother up and I told her I, I broke the pie. And she wasn't even surprised. I think she probably figured that's what I was going to do. And I did not get in trouble. Um, But I don't know if you've ever been in an experience of of life where you've just asked yourself the question, why did I do that? (laughs) Why did I break that? Now, it's not always as simple as just a pumpkin pie. And the truth is, it's not just the things that we break, but sometimes people break us. It's not just why did I do that, why did I break that, but why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to go through that broken situation? Why did I have to experience that broken person? It's not just the things that we've done that break other things. It's the broken things that are done to us or that happen around us that we have to experience, like the last two years. 
the last two years have been incredibly painful and incredibly broken and traumatic for all of us. And it feels like part of us has been removed or part of us has been broken. Our natural response is whatever we see those broken parts of ourselves, we try and cover it up or smooth it over or maybe blame someone else or maybe try and hide. But the truth is we are broken people living in a broken world. We break things, things break us, there's brokenness all around us. We were not made for that though. God made the world to be a place of harmony, of righteousness, of love, of joy and peace. But Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against God, sin entered into the world and like a shattered mirror broke everything. If you look at a shattered mirror, you can tell what it's supposed to be, and you can even see a bit of your reflection in it. But as you look in the mirror, you say, this is not the way things are supposed to be. The world really is broken in four ways. We see this in Genesis 3, as if you read the whole chapter. First of all, there's a brokenness with God. Adam and Eve, as soon as they sin, where, where do they go? They go hide, hide from God. There's a separation because of their rebellion. But not only that, there, there's a separation from each other. If you were to read on in Genesis 3, as soon as God confronts them, they start blaming one another. That had never happened before. There was a brokenness between them. And as you go on, you'll see that there's a brokenness between them and the world. Now them being in the world is not going to be easy. It's going to be very frustrating. But maybe the one that we connect with most today is that they're broken within themselves. Never before had they noticed their nakedness but all of a sudden there's something wrong with them that they see and they hide. And when God finds them, he says, who told you that you were naked? Where did this shame over yourself come from? Now God in his graciousness, he provides a covering for them and he actually is gracious in banishing them from the Garden of Eden because it says that he banishes them so that they won't eat from the tree of life and therefore live forever under the effects of sin. Forever in brokenness. And so we see God's grace in his immediate action in the Garden of Eden, but we see his grace even so much more in the good news of Jesus. In the gospel of Jesus, that Christ, the good news that Christ went to the cross for us, we see the good news that there is a transaction that has happened, that God's wrath has been put on Jesus for us, and we are now declared righteous in him. But it's more than transactional. It's deeply relational. As God sees the broken parts in us, as he sees the shame and the trauma and the effects of sin that we've caused in ourselves or that other people have done to us, God looks at us and wants to heal the broken parts. God wants to heal the broken parts in broken people in order that broken people might be made whole. Healing to wholeness. Verse 16 and 17, Paul says, I pray that God may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power, where? In your inner being. Through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I love that he says strengthened with power because that implies our own weakness. 
Weakness is often something that we want to hide. We don't want to appear to be weak, but it's God who sees the weakness in us, and that's not a problem for him because he is a God who is strong and who strengthens weak people. But today it's not so much about what he does as I want to take notice of where he does it in your inner being. Not the part of you that's covering up or hiding but beneath the fig leaves, so to speak, beneath the places that we want to smooth over, beneath the, the blame shifting, beneath the hiding into the true brokenness of what we really experience as human beings, God wants to meet you in your broken parts. When Paul uses the word inner being, he's talking about the deepest part of you. The reality of you being a broken person living in a broken world, that's where God wants to meet you. And if he wants to meet us in our inner being, then he has to deal with everything that is in our inner being. The brokenness done to us, the brokenness done by us, the brokenness around us. In the midst of the shame and the hiding and the shattered brokenness. We need healing. And what Paul is saying is that God meets us there. Not in the pretend you, not in the you that is performing, but in who you really are as a broken person in a broken world. That's where the Spirit wants to meet you. But it says more. It's not just that the Spirit meets you there, it's that Christ lives there. Did you see what he said? In your inner being, through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now your heart is the deepest part of who you are. Take your thoughts and go deeper. Take your emotions and, and dig deeper. That, that's your heart. And Jesus is there doing what? What well, says he's dwelling? He's living. The resurrected one who has defeated sin and death and the devil is living inside of you through his spirit. And when he does that, he cannot help but infect you with who he is. He is the one who heals. And he heals you by making you more like him. And the deepest part of who you are, the deep parts that we are ashamed to look at, That's where Jesus lives. And he's working there. When my wife and I moved last, we looked at so many houses. We were looking at all types of houses, and we would go in and just kind of get a tour of the house. And at the end of the tour, I would look at my wife, and she would either say, I can work with this, or I can't work with this. Depending on what the house looked like, she could either envision a way to restore it or it was too bad off for her to do anything with it. The layout didn't work or how much renovation it needed, we couldn't work with it. And so after every house that we visited, it was either I can work with this or I'm not able to do anything with this. But there's not one heart that Jesus can't work with. And here's the thing, it's not because of how good or bad you are. It has everything to do with who he is. His ability to restore broken people living in a broken world. You cannot sink too far, too deep, 
too broken that you're beyond the healing touch of Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at every heart and says, I can work with this. Not because the heart's in a state where it's repairable, but because Jesus is the repairer. Because Jesus is full of love. Jesus brings his love into the deepest broken parts of who you really are. That's what Paul says next in verse 17 and 18. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. Now, how often are we psychologically rooted in shame? How often are we motivated by getting over our past failures? How often are we grounded in this idea that I've got to redeem myself? I've got to make something of myself. I've got to cover over my my present failures, my past failures, and we end up being rooted in something besides love. But what Paul is saying is that you as a Christian aren't to be rooted in your shame or your failures or your guilt, but rather rooted in the love of God for you. Rooted in Jesus Christ's self-giving, sacrificial, counter-conditional love for you as a broken person living in a broken world. That is the truest thing about you, that Jesus Christ loves you. Now you might say, I know. I've heard it before. I've been to church. I know Jesus loves me. I get it. And what Paul says next is, no, you don't. You don't get it. That's why he's praying that we would be able to comprehend the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. We can recite the fact that Jesus loves us, but we have not fully received the fact that Jesus loves us into the dark recesses of our heart. We have not integrated it into our lives. We have not allowed the love of Jesus to heal us in the most broken parts of who we are. How do you know? Because we're still hiding from what we've done. We're still blaming others for what's been done to us. We're still covering over what's happened to us. We're still running from the fact that we are broken people living in a broken world. What could it look like for you to let the love of Jesus in deeper this year? to maybe a place that you haven't let it in before? What could it look like for you to let God's love in where you could find healing in a new way, that you could become more whole? This is what the thing, one of the things that we're focusing on this year. And just a couple ways that we're, we're trying to put this in front of us is we're going to be doing throughout the year, we're going to be doing just different sermons on the Psalms because the Psalms are all about our hearts before God's heart. And we're trying to connect those throughout the year and and just cry out to God and let let God get in in a deeper way. We're also doing this daily prayer thing. Prayer is really about knowing God. You notice that the whole thing we're looking at right now is Paul praying. Prayer brings healing before God. We're also considering different ways that we can do workshops where you could come and just process your story 
in light of the gospel, where you can process the brokenness in your life together and get some healing together before God. But maybe there's a way that you can own this individually. Maybe you just need to let somebody else into your story, into the brokenness that's happened to you or been done by you or happened around you. Maybe you need to go to therapy. Maybe you need to sit down with a counselor and really work through your past trauma in order that you could be honest about who you are before God and receive his love for you in a deeper way. I know some of you right now just go, nope. (laughs) Not going there. That's too painful. I don't want to deal with that. I'm not sure. I know theoretically that God's love is greater than my pain, but I'm not sure I really want to I want to really want to engage that. And here's what's at the root of that. We're afraid that nothing will change. But let me remind you who's writing this. When those words say, I pray, that's Paul praying. Paul is writing this prayer as he's under house arrest in Rome, as he's living in the broken situation of isolation. Coming off a time when he was just shipwrecked and had to live on the island of Malta, when his life went sideways, he had to live on the island of Malta after that shipwreck for several months. Coming off the time when he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And that came after the Corinthian church betraying him, talking bad about him, breaking his heart over their behavior. And that came after the time that he had a relational brokenness with Barnabas over a disagreement in philosophy of ministry. And that came after the time that Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the thorn in his flesh, this painful experience that was too painful to describe in detail. And he prays to the Lord and says, take away the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And that came after the time that there were attempts on Paul's life. And those are just the things that were done to him. But the things done by him, how does a man live with that? Paul was confronted by Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus after he had given approval to killing Stephen and many other Christians. It wasn't just the things done to Paul, it was the things done by him where he would be able to say, I was a vile man. But as this vile man, as this broken man living in a broken world comes into contact with Jesus Christ and Jesus' love for him, he's able to write this. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, who I am, who I was, it has been put to death with Jesus, and I no longer live, but Christ lives. Jesus Christ, the healer, lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Me. I love that he doesn't say who loves you. He owns it. Everything that's been done to me, everything that I've done to others, Jesus loves me. I don't have to hide who I was. I don't have to hide who I am. Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself for me, a vile man. For Paul, it's not just a theological assertion. It's an experiential reality 
that has changed the trajectory of his life, that he knows that Christ now lives in his heart by faith. And that becomes his prayer for the Ephesians. And that is our prayer today. In verse 19, he says, to know Christ's love, that surpasses knowledge. To know something you can't know. To live in something that's impossible to capture and describe. To know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So that you be filled with all the fullness of God. So that you, as a broken person who tends to run and hide and cover over and and, and not want to deal with your shame, may be filled with all the fullness, everything that God wants to bring into your life to heal and restore, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see how this last verse is the exact opposite of what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve and their rebellion against God and their shame and their hiding and their nakedness, they're separated from God. But through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, God moves into the darkest parts of our heart with his fullness and his power and his love so that you and I are filled. No part of us goes untouched by God's healing presence. His power and his love and his commitment heal us. So where where are you? Just like God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? as you enter into 2022? Where are you as we talk about healing to wholeness? You don't have to be a broken person hiding in a broken world. Because what's more important than where you are is where God is. God is in the deepest parts of who you are, working his restoration and healing, filling you with his power and love. Because God gives his whole self to you to heal every part of you. And maybe in light of that, maybe in light of God's love for you, maybe it means coming to terms this year with your story. Maybe it means coming to terms with what actually happened to you or what was done by you. Maybe, maybe it's simply facing your shame. Maybe it's dealing with the reality of who you are Knowing that God is a God who heals. God heals broken parts in broken people to make broken people whole. That's what he does. And that's who the church is. We are broken people living in a broken world. But it is God's commitment to us that ultimately heals us. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 3.20. He says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? In us. Broken people in a broken world. In us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. 
Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.